Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to another effed up true crime podcast, which is dedicated to bringing you crime stories that are old, new and from around the globe. So, oh, I have my coffee here, so if you hear me take quick silence, it's me getting coffee. Alrighty, so what an effed up week this has been. I don't know about the rest of you, but any time I tried to log on to social media, any any social media um, sites, it would only take a good second for me to see everybody arguing and all the heinous things happening in the world um, for me to quickly log off because I am tired. I am tired of seeing people argue. I'm tired of seeing white supremacists idiots and I'm tired of seeing racist morons so I've just got to stay away from it and I think I will just continue with the podcast for a few days um, or even a few weeks because being able to research something else takes me away from the world and I'm sure we're all sick of it right now I'm not even sure how much longer I can stay on this planet like I want Elon Musk to save me a seat on the one-way rocket to Mars. I mean, surely Mars can't be that effed up, right? Can't be as effed up as Earth. There's no one there. But then again, it would be completely screwed up the minute my foot foot hit the ground up there, let me tell you. Anyway, away from that. Um, Because I appreciate you all joining me on this new adventure of mine um, with regarding to my delving into writing true crime novels away and moving away from my fiction genre um, life. Um, I would love you to all come and visit us on the Effed Up True Crime page on Facebook. You just got to E-double-F-E-D and up true crime and it'll pop up. So from time to time, I will be putting up a poll for you to vote on uh, when it comes to podcast segments for the future. So you can tell me what kind of research you want me to do and what kind of findings you would like me to discuss. And if you could suggest crimes that you are obsessed with or want to hear more about drop us a line um and we'd be happy i'd be happy to look into it so today's subject is incest a subject i absolutely love reading about but that could be because i am sick in the head because that is, well, that's according to everybody I know, at least, they tell me on regular occasions. Just like the other day, I messaged my um, assistant and I said to her, look, if anything happens to me, I need you to tell the police that the only reason there are 14 pages open in my Google on my phone with the heading necrophilia is because I am obsessed with reading about it and not that I want to go and fuck a dead body. 14 pages. So, <laughs> that, that gives you a little bit of insight. 
Um, we will also uh, be putting up a effed up true crime page on Instagram. Um, but at the moment, on Instagram, if you want to see anything, just look up KL Lee, L E, author. Um, and anything that I put up on the page before I get Instagram going will come up on my author page. So, from your request on Facebook, on Insta, Twitter, wherever you like, and I'll always accept. Um, feel pro. Uh, feel free to follow me, and but also feel free to tell us what you think about the subjects that we're dealing with. Your input is really important to the process um, because there are some days where, you know, you might just be like, you know what, I don't want to do this. But then a comment will come up I found with my last um, podcast, which I did on just random subjects. I would always feel encouraged when someone would go, oh, you know, loved it hey can you talk about this can you talk about that and it would just give me a little bit of a pump to want to do more um so as i said today's is incest um and we will be dealing with the case of katie fusco and stephen plaid oh dear platel i think it is actually it's a really weird spelling p-l-a-d-l so yeah i'm gonna get screwed up a bit but um, uh, this is in the USA, by the way. Um, so let's get straight to it, shall we? So, in 1995, 20-year-old uh, Stephen met 15-year-old Alyssa via the internet, Katie's birth parents. In 1998, 17-year-old Alyssa gave birth to a baby fathered by Stephen, and they named the baby Denise, which is AKA Katie. Um, so I must say, after looking at the photos of Katie, I'm glad her name was changed because Denise sure as she did not suit her. She just, you know, when someone doesn't look like their name, it just doesn't, she's one of those. It just, she doesn't look like a Denise at all. Moving on. <laughs> um, so Alyssa, Katie's mother um, has stated to reporters after everything that had happened, after everything became public, that Stephen was actually abusive to Denise. Okay, Katie. I'm going to call her Den Denise until the time she was adopted. So that's not far away, but just to give you an idea. Um, she actually said that Stephen, from newborn, from birth, he would pinch Denise until she was black and blue all over. Um, it's also come out that he would stuff the baby into a cooler and shut the lid just to drown out the noise of this poor baby's cries when she would cry. Um, and he would stop Alyssa from getting Denise, the baby, out of the cooler. Um, but as her cries would die down, finally he would allow Alyssa to retrieve the baby. But it was always by the stage that Denise would be on the verge of suffocation because, well, it's the reason, well, a quick no air, but it would be the reason that she'd stop wailing. She just didn't have the oxygen to be doing it. Um, 
and personally, if it were to happen with my newborn baby, my God, the guy would have had a cricket bat to the side of the head. I would have killed him. Um, I would not let a single person ever touch my child. Hell, I don't even let my husband, my own children, father, yell at the kids. Oh yeah, I'm terrible. Nope, I won't stand for it. I don't think there is any need. We have decent kids. They're great. Um, my hubby thinks it's something to do with my absolutely shitty upbringing. But that is a long story for another day. And let me tell you, it is a doozy of one. Um, it includes rape, molestation, being mistreated, starved, and the shining star, Jehovah's Witnesses. Along with the mother that made everything about herself. Um, and don't you worry, when I gain the courage to do that podcast and to let you all into my world, um, I will have my shrink on speed dial. That's what it's going to take for it to happen, I think. Um, maybe, actually, a podcast could be the topic of my next therapy session on Friday and we'll go from there. Anyway, anyway, back to the case. Um, so in that same year, which was 1998, I think, um, Alyssa made the decision to put the baby up for adoption. Um, and she was adopted by the couple, by a couple by the name of Anthony and Kelly Fusco. Anthony and Kelly changed Denise's name to Katie, as we know, and they took her back to live with them in their home in Dutchess County in New York. Um, Alyssa went on to stay in the abusive relationship with Stephen, even after letting go of the daughter, which annoys me, but okay. Um, there were mind games, abuse, verbal, and sometimes physical within the relationship, and for whatever reason, she went on to have another child with him just nine years later. Ridiculous, I know. You're sitting there going, what? And people are looking at you on the train or whatever. And they're thinking, what is wrong with that woman? I know, I've had those stairs before. Anyway, Alyssa has also stated she's done a few interviews since this all happened in 19, oh, in, sorry, in 2016. Um, so a lot has come to light, but I don't, I haven't seen her do any interviews recently. So I think she caught the limelight and then shied away from the limelight. Um, so yes, just nine years Later, after giving up her first daughter, she has a she has another daughter with him. Um, Alyssa has told the world that by the time she had fallen pregnant with the second child, she felt that both her and Stephen were more grown up and more ready to have children. Um, where when she was fifteen, she didn't feel that way. I didn't live in that house, so I'm not sure what to really believe. Um, but, yeah. Because a lot of people, they like to shine the light on themselves. They like to make everything the other person's problem, not theirs. So, I did this because of, and yeah. But, um, the one thing I do know is that there was no abuse put forward to the other children when um, that they went on to have. There was two more girls. Um, which, of course, is something we all would have wondered about if it had not been asked. You would have. 
after hearing the story with Katie. Then in 2012, Alyssa gave birth to yet another daughter. So now they have three daughters, Katie and with, with including Katie and the two younger ones that were living with them. From all accounts, it seems that Katie had a nice life in Dutchess County. Um, but as we've all seen before, a lot of adopted children crave meeting and having a relationship with their birth parents and with their birth families. I mean, yeah, I think I would too. Um, so you can't blame a child for wanting to do this. And she was still a child at this time. Um, this isn't to say that the adoptive parents treated her bad. It's just something that they go on to crave. Anyway, so in 2016, Katie had just turned 18 and the curiosity got the better of her and she managed to track down Alyssa, who was 37 at the time in 2016, um, through social media. And they, the parents, Alyssa and Steve, were more than willing to have contact with her. So over Facebook, they began corresponding backwards and forwards. Um, they conversed. They'd have video chats and they'd learn about one another um, and most importantly, they got along and they grew close very, very fast. And that's including Alyssa, not just Stephen. Um, Alyssa um, had, felt, had felt bad about putting her daughter up for adoption because she knew she would miss her, um, but she also knew it was the right thing to do. In my opinion, she should have left the arsehole Stephen. And she should have taken her child with her and somewhere safe, but I guess not all of us have that um, sense of tightness with their child. Because I could never be separated from my child. If someone was abusing her, even if it was the father, I'd, yeah, prison first before being separated, let me tell you. Um, anyway, that's not my decision. That wasn't her de my decision. Um, that was hers. But I am glad that she did make that choice because at least then Katie was safe. Um, but from the sounds of things, if she wasn't put up for adoption, Stephen would have killed her if she hadn't been placed. Uh, especially with the whole cooler thing. It's just disgusting. Anyway, by mid-2016, Katie graduated from high school. Um, and she she had so many plans. She was to enrol in a college um, and she wanted to go on to study digital advertising and marketing. Um, she was big in the art world as well. She'd actually established herself by 18. Um, she was very well known in her areas by the art, the ones, you know, that are all into art. Not something I understand. But she did. She had a. She did have a big future ahead of her. Um, but only a couple of months later, in in August, sorry, 2016, she continued to correspond with birth parents, and for whatever reason, um, abruptly, all of her plans changed. All of them. She wasn't enrolling. She pulled away from her art. Um, it was, yeah, it was a real quick, sharp turn. Um, so in, instead of enrolling in college, she moved to Henrico, Virginia. And she moved in with Stephen, Alyssa and the two daughters whose names have been suppressed for their own privacy. 
Um, I do have their names, um, but I believe they would still be underage at this point. So I will never say them aloud because they don't deserve to be bombarded um, by strangers who, especially when they were just so young themselves, and it would be a lot to have to put yourself through. Dad's dead. Dad <laughs> got your sister pregnant. It, 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 there's just so much going on. Um, after Katie moved in with her birth parents, Alyssa became somewhat worried. And it, it, pretty much straight after she moved in. Because Stephen begins sleeping on the floor of Katie's bedroom each night. Whether he was on the floor all night, no one knows. Um, you know, I, I don't know. But by this time, uh, their marriage was very much on the rocks. Um, Alyssa has said that by the time their daughter moved in sorry coffee um they had been sleeping in separate beds for months by the time by this time um and the marriage was coming to a dissolution which is probably for the better anyway for the younger ones but soon enough Alyssa gained the confidence to leave Stephen and she took the two daughters with her the younger ones but Katie decides of course to stay with Stephen and I mean she's over 18 there isn't much that can be done about that um, so when Alyssa moved out she she had suspicions about their relationship but she wasn't aware of just how far gone it was or if there even was one um, she was just gonna have to wait and see because at that time it would just be accusations um, but it stated that between September and November of 2016 um, Stephen did begin sleeping with his daughter and they engaged in a sexual relationship. I hope no one's eating while they're listening to this. I tell you what, I can eat and look at autopsy photos, but this stuff is just churns my gut. It, it just, oh, having, oh, having your, that kind of relationship with your father. Oh, oh dear. Um, anyway. Uh, early in 2017, they officially became a couple, which is gross. Um, Stephen then tells his two younger daughters that they, when they come to stay with him, they were then to refer to Katie, their full-blooded sister, as their stepmother, which is gross. Can you imagine being a child and then having to go to your father's house and see that your own father is sleeping with your sister in the same bed and then you're told you have to call your sister your mother? Ugh, that's going to fuck any kid up. Now I'm talking psychiatrists for the rest of their life kind of fucked up. They must, mine's on speed dial, theirs has to be, seriously. Um, but it isn't long after Katie that Katie learns that she's pregnant with her own father's child. Damn. What does that make her kid? Like, is it her child slash sister because it's her father's? or or And is it his child slash grandchild? It has to be. It's got to be. It's the only way that you can really put it. Man, that's some messed up shit. And I thought that 
marrying my ex's uncle was bad. See? Story for another day. <laughs> Dude. Oh. My background is screwed, but not this kind of screwed. Anyway, after this had happened, um, once children returned home, after this revelation of being asked to call their sister their mother, um, or stepmother, sorry, the girls are acting up more than usual, which it frustrates Alyssa. And look, if you've been in this situation, such as myself, not sleeping with your dad part, the broken home part, um, it does happen from time to time. My eldest son um, would go to his father's, and when he'd come home, not all the time, just sometimes, he'd act up. And my eldest is not the kind of kid that would ever act up. He doesn't act up. It was he never did. Um, so I'd always question what the hell is going on over at his father's for him to come home and act up. Not only was his grandmother telling him that I'm a bad mother and that um, I, but I was pretty much poison. Um, but there was a lot of alcohol and a lot of fighting. So getting getting that input was great because we got rid of them. But that's another story for another day. And yeah, my story is really long and really screwed. Not sleeping with my father screwed, but screwed. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Getting back to the case, Alyssa goes on to call Stephen after the kid, just in a bit to find out why the kids are acting out. She just wanted some help and insight to know why they're doing such a thing. So instead of screaming at them, she wanted to know why they were doing it, which I applaud, by the way, because most parents just scream. Um, so it, it, it's, it wasn't stated what they were doing. It hasn't been said what they were doing to act out. But I'm guessing they just came home with an attitude, which is usually what a child will turn to at those ages, just straight up attitude and disobedience. Um, but it, none of it was as easy as that. And this is when stuff becomes a little bit even extra messed up. Well, I mean, let's face it, everything in this story is really screwed up. Um... But as far as punishment comes when they have discussed that there's something going on with the kids, for whatever reason, this is something I'll never understand because he's dead and I can't ask him, um, Stephen thinks that handing over the 12-year-old's diary might be able to tell Alyssa why um, they're acting up. Um, so I don't think, you don't read your kids' diaries, just not how it's done. Um, I couldn't do it myself. No, not at all. Um, anyway, so so Alyssa goes on to read the diary. And I've got screenshots of this diary. Um, so I will pop them up onto the Facebook Effed Up True Crime podcast page. Now, the diary says, and I quote this from the 12-year-old, Katie is pregnant. Dad says they feel like a couple they feel like couples. Did they get a little too drunk that night? My dad is a slut. He's Satan. He's fucking Satan. He'll go to hell 
he won't be the one getting tortured. He'll be the one torturing people. Wait a second. If he's Satan and Katie is a human, then the baby will be half demon. End quote. Wow, that is fucked up. What 12-year-old thinks like that? I mean, my seven-year-old does, but he's he was born a demon. But that's really odd to hear from, you know, a diary entry. Um, but then she goes on. The, I'm not going to quote here. I'm just giving you the brief on this part because that part was quoted. Um, because the writing is really hard to follow. Um, because it was a 12-year-old. Um, yeah, it's it's really hard to follow. So I'm going to give you the gist of it. Um, she then goes on to talk about herself and her eight-year-old sister. So it says, we were t- oh, what I've grasped from it, we were told by Dad to stop calling Katie our sister and we need to call her our stepmother. Um, I swear, looking at this family, I just feel like maybe my family is somewhat normal in comparison. But um, my biggest question is, why would Steve hand over the diary? He, I mean, surely he must have known that something would be written in there about his relationship with Katie. He has to. With everything that was going on, there's no way that nothing would be written. Um, but I don't know, maybe, because he did seem like a sick, twisted individual. Maybe it was oh, his way of, oh, this is how she'll find out kind of thing. Um, again, we'll never know now. But um, being in an incest relationship, wouldn't you think that if you were in a relationship with your child, you would try to keep that relationship quiet? Um, but incestuous relationships between two consenting adults um, is against the law across most of the United States with a penalty of 12 months prison. Um, so you'd think that you'd just move away and try to keep it under wraps or at least move to a place where absolutely no one knows you um, and you can start it start again basically and no one knows that you're father and daughter. They just think that you're a couple. I think that's what any semi-normal person who is sleeping with their daughter would do. But it's like, I don't know, it's like he wanted the world to know, um, which is totally screwed up in a different way to everything else. I mean, who goes and does that? Um, but getting on with it, after Alyssa has read the diary and has confirmed her suspicions of that Stephen and Katie were engaging in a sexual relationship. Alyssa did the only thing that she could do and she called the police and she handed over the diary. And it's around this time where all of this is happening that Katie learns she's pregnant. Uh, I think we covered that. Anyway, so she knows she's pregnant. All right. Um, Alyssa is losing her mind. Oh, see, I didn't read it properly. This is, okay, so we covered Katie. Yeah, all right, so Katie, Katie's pregnant and Alyssa is found out. Right, now I can understand my writing. Um, oh, God, you should see it. So Alyssa's losing her mind. 
And if you were in that situation, you sleep, husband sleeping with your child, you'd be pissed off. You'd be scared. You'd be worried he was doing it to the others. Um, and you'd want an investigation. Any normal parent would. Um, but it's like I said, nothing has ever come out about him doing anything with the children, which is the only ray of hope and sunshine in this whole damn situation. So, Henrico County Police Officers went and interviewed both Stephen, um, Stephen, Alyssa, Katie, and the two daughters, but no arrests were made, which, from what I've seen, they've actually admitted to everything, so, yeah, cops, great, doing a brilliant fucking job again. Um, but it's soon after this that Katie and Stephen moved to Nightdale, in North Carolina. So the laws concerning incest in North Carolina are odd to say the least because pretty much you can be in an incestuous relationship with another adult and it's fine but if you were to marry them that is when it's punishable by jail time by law. Yeah, so you can basically live together, have an incestuous relationship, nothing's going to happen unless you try to put a ring on it. Um, then on July 20th, 2017, Katie and Stephen managed to get married in Maryland, but they were only able to do so um, because they lied on their application where it says, are you related I didn't know that there was a box that you tick for that. Um, but they went public and they said that that was how they got married. So I don't know how long they thought they were going to get away with that. Um, but believe it or not, this part got me. The adoptive parents actually attended the wedding. And so did Stephen's mother, Katie's biological grandmother. And... Oh, let me tell you, they put up a photo um, of their nuptials and it creeped me out because Stephen mo Stephen's mother looks genuinely happy, like really happy about the situation. It was just so odd to me. Um, the adopted parents are also in the photo, but they, they're putting on smiles, but they, they look awkward. They look like they don't want to be there, um, but they do want to be there. Uh, and don't worry, I will be posting all of these photos up on the Effed Up Crime, True Crime page, Facebook page, so you, you can take a look for yourself. Um, but the adoptive, after the adoptive parents did do an interview with CBS News, um, and they stated that there was nothing they could do so about everything, so the only thing they thought that they could do was support Katie. Take what you will from that because I sure as shit know that I would not show up and that I would have the police um, there in a heartbeat. There's no, no ways. Um, but on September 1st, 2017, Katie then gives birth to her own father's baby and they named that baby Bennett. Let me tell you, I will put a photo up. Bennett is gorgeous. He is gorgeous. 
but I haven't found any articles stating that there was actually anything wrong with him or if there was any internal deformities due to the closeness of the DNA that was shared to make him. Um, so, but he looked perfectly healthy in the photos that I've seen. Um, but in late January of 2018, both Stephen and Katie were finally arrested and charged with both incest and adultery. Um, later, they were both released on bail, but the court stipulated they would only be allowed to bond out um, if they agreed to have absolutely no contact with one another. And because of this, Katie moves back to New York with her adoptive parents. However, the courts gave Stephen's mother the custody, gave Stephen's mother custody of Bennett, their son. Um, I, I haven't been able to find out why that happened and why Katie didn't have it. Um, but if I do find something, I will update this podcast. Um, and in April, Katie seems to come to a realisation that of what's going on and how screwed up all of this is, and she ends the relationship with Stephen, um, her father. I can't stop stipulating that. Anyway, and going against the no con- going against the no contact order, she actually called her father Stephen to break up with him. So on April, which he didn't take well, as you'll see. So on April 11th in 2018, Stephen picks up baby Bennett from his mother's house. Um, He must have been able to have visitation. Yet after that, he took the baby back to his home where he suffocated the poor little thing. And he actually left the body in the closet, um, which is just heartbreaking. You'll be heartbroken the second you see his photos. Just a perfect little cherub. Um, And it was that same night um, he drove from North Carolina all the way up to New York. So the next day on April 12, 2018, Stephen waited outside Katie's adoptive parents' home. And no one knows for how long he sat there, but when he saw Katie and her stepfather, Anthony, um, get into a vehicle, he then decided to follow them, and they drove up towards Milford. Now, when they came to a stop sign, without warning, Stephen drove up and shot both Katie and her adopted father killing them both instantly with the shotgun. Um, Then, straight after this has happened, there's... The the story moves over to his mother. There's a 911 call from Stephen's mother to 911, to the authorities, um, asking to do a welfare check on Bennett after Stephen called her. And in that call, he told her that he killed Katie, killed the stepfather and uh, the adoptive father and that he had killed baby Bennett too. In the 911 call, uh, she kept saying, my son just called me and told me and she'd go off, oh my God, oh my God. He told me that he's killed the baby and that the baby's in the house. 
She then proceeded to tell the dispatcher about the fact that Katie had called Stephen the previous day and broke up, or previous two days now, um, broke up with him over the phone. She went to on to, also went on to explain that Katie was in New York. She then blurts, he's left the baby dead. He told me to call the police and that I shouldn't go over to the house. He killed his wife, he killed the father, and he killed the father. Anthony. Um, so he must have called between killing Katie, the adoptive father, and then turning the gun on himself. Um, it's it's the one thing I've never understood. I've never understood when a parent kills their child and then kills themselves. I've never understand that form of murder-suicide. Um, why not just kill yourself and let the others deal with it, you know, to deal with the shit you left behind at least they'd be alive why do they always have to kill the children first is it revenge i mean in just in some cases it would be a form of revenge on an ex-spouse or whatever but why do it when you're going to kill the mother as well you know just just kill the mother leave the child come on um it's never never something i'll be able to understand or explain i guess uh, or never, and it's sorry, it's never going to be explained to us now that Stephen's dead, so we're never going to get an answer. Now, so I did some research on genetic sexual attraction or GMA, uh, GSA. Genetic sexual attraction, sexual attraction apparently is very common when someone related to you for example will go with father and daughter because that situation we're in or subject we're on sorry not situation it's when a father isn't in the child's life between the ages or brother whatever in between the chain the child's life of zero to six apparently genetic sexual attraction is brought up in 50 percent of cases when a genetic child meets family members later in life as long as they didn't have contact between zero and six um there have been cases of this all over the world and i can't believe how many i found um but i did manage to find a case um that i have by the of a woman by the name of kim west at the time, she was 51 years old when she entered a relationship with her son 30 years after she gave him up for adoption when he was two. She claims that they had an immediate sexual attraction that the pair had sparked an intense romance after meeting. Um, yeah, when 30, 30 years. Anyway, so they're together. They're and now they're wanting to get married and start a family. So they're still together. Um, my curiosity peaked when I went to look onto more articles. Um, and she went to tell she went on to tell the reporters that she she has incredible sex with her son uh, since they met in 2014. Now at the time in 2014, Ben, the son, was 32 years of age and he left his wife for her so he could move in with the mother and begin the incestuous relationship or continue. Um, since this article that I read, they have actually gone into hiding 
they are claiming that someone they know dobbed them into the authorities and under state law in Michigan, where they live or lived, um, incest between two consenting adults is a third-class felony, punishable by up to 15 years in prison. So if they were to be prosecuted and found guilty, they would also both have to register as sex offenders for life. But, sorry, they haven't surfaced yet, but it's amazing how common this is. Um, of course, it's not something that you hear about every day, um, but I did find another case that piqued my interest. Um, I've got some time for more, one more woman quickly before I have to go and make dinner for my family. Um, a woman by the name of Debbie um, didn't know that she was actually within walking distance of her half-brother her whole life. Um, but she didn't actually even know that he existed until she was 36 when she decided to find her birth parents after finding out she was adopted, which led her to meeting her father, which then led her to meeting her half-brother, Joe. So they decided to have dinner and he began visiting Debbie at her home and it was took no time at all for a sexual relationship to begin. Debbie did admit that following their very first sexual encounter, she, she, she thought, what is wrong with you? And they even looked at one, each other, at one another and asked, what the hell have we done? At first, they kept their relationship secret. Joe then went on to move in with Debbie, and they continued to have a relationship to this day. Um, at first, they didn't tell friends, family, because Joe wasn't comfortable with people knowing about it. Um, but in time, over the next 10 years, she actually did start telling people, close friends, who grossly were actually really supportive. Um, so now, in 2020, they've actually been together for 18 years. And they, in 2016, I think it was, they actually married in Cuba. Now, Joe and Corinne went on to have a child. I think, no, it's not, yeah, Debbie. No, yeah. <laughs> I get confused here. I don't know what I've written down. Anyway, they went on to have a child together. Um, but after having him, they couldn't conceive again. And they did multiple IVF trips and they tried all of that. But they went on to adopt six blind children. Um, and now they're like the adoptive, they're, they're all over news sites, Daily Mail, everything. They're, they're actually very popular and it's, their incest is not what they're known for, which is really odd to me. Anyway, the more I've read about these two, the more intrigued I've become. And I wouldn't mind digging a little further into this and maybe, I don't know, making them their own podcast, a good half an hour of just digging deep. Look, I'll try to track them down and see if they're interested in having an interview. Um, and then I will get back to you all. Um, like I said, I have to come to an end because my son is standing here right now looking at me, rubbing his stomach. Cheeky little chick. Um, 
I'm coming. I am sorry to cut this one. Um, but yeah, so I'll keep digging into it and I'll put up a poll, see if anybody wants to hear about their case. Um, and you can tell me yay, nay. Um, but I am also working on a cold case at the moment. I'm writing a book about um, a murder of Taylor McAllister in Florida in 2016. There's a lot of 2016 going on today. Um, 2016 where, and it's just an absolutely morbid, twisted case that will break your heart. And when I say that, it's just, we know who killed her. We know what happened to her. Um, it was deemed, her death was deemed a homicide, but when uh, the police interviews, they've treated it as an overdose, not a homicide. Um, and it's absolutely, it's twisting my stomach, um, because the further I read, the more upset I become. Um, so, but to get some exposure, I will do a podcast on that in the next week, um, just to give you an inkling of the book that I'm working on. And I will try and get a podcast done tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to do them every single day, um, usually probably about once a week. Um, but because we're just starting off, I'd like to get a few out there um, so that, yeah, I can just fall back on being able to write, but spending a week getting a few to you and then once a week just subscribe and it will come to you. Um, but I would like to thank you all for listening to me for this 46 minutes. God, I don't know. Look, if you made it to the end, you're awesome. Thank you. Um, if you didn't, well, you know, shit happens. <laughs> Not everybody's going to like me. Um, but I am hopefully, hopefully I will be back tomorrow with another one. And I'm thinking a good murder because, yeah, don't mind me a good murder. And I will post the links on the Facebook page, Effed Up True Crime Podcast. Hopefully I hear from you all. And I really hope that you all have a great night. And I will go live at some stage tomorrow. Good night, all my lovelies.